everyone. I'm so glad that we're going to have today our first guest here in the Artistic Leo podcast. We are going to talk with Mazarin Memun. She's an art friend that I had the pleasure to meet. Since then, we've been doing Zooms and uh, Instagram Lives. I'm so glad that she came to talk with us. So a little bit of Mazarin. She's a fine artist and had several solo and group exhibitions. She was born in Bombay to a fun-loving family, and she has Iranian ancestry, Indian by birth, Italian by heart, and Canadian by choice. You're going to have fun today as we talk about process and discovering your path and evolving that path, changing that path, and suggestions on how can you get it started and how can you play and just how art can be beneficial for us and about some routines that we do on our art process. So I hope you have fun and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Artistically You podcast, where mixed media art is a place for all. Here, we are going to talk about art as a mindful practice, connect with our creativity, and embrace curiosity. This is your host, mixed media artist, Jana Oliveira. I'm really excited that you are here. Thank and you. talk about your beautiful art. And at the end, we can, for sure, we're going to have notes about how people can find your art and everything, your blog. But I gave you the awesome introduction ahead of us. And people kind of know that you, you know, you did a lot. And for sure, you are an accomplished artist. But I would like to know, growing up, especially you are from India, right? Right. And growing up, did you have any resistance? And correct me if I'm wrong, because I hear things that parents in India want their kids to be doctors or what was that? Engineers, uh-huh. something like that. So when when you knew, like, you know, or maybe told your parents, like, I want to paint or that happened later. Did you actually went to the path what they, they wanted and became an artist? How was that? Tell me about it. So. I was kind of lucky that my mom is artistic herself. And although she was a secretary for a very long time in Bombay, I think I was lucky that she was pretty open-minded. And I think the community I come from, which is the Parsis, Mm -hmm. they are a very small community now. They're literally, they're dying. I would say that in the next few years, we'd probably just be a tribe. There are less Mm -hmm. than 50,000 of us left in the world. So... We is are, that a specific region in India? No, it's a community. We are actually the oldest religion in the world. Oh, wow. Um, and Amazing. we, yeah, we immigrated from Iran with this whole Islamic, oh. you know, takeover and stuff. So the problem with us is we don't, we don't have any people converting into the, we don't endorse that. Mm. And non-Parsis are not allowed into our fire temples. Uh, for the longest time, there was no in intercaste marriages, nothing of mm-hmm. that. But we were a very progressive and we still are a very progressive community. So I think that was one of the pluses where mm-hmm. we were both allowed, my sister and I, to just, you know, kind of follow what we liked. And I have to say, I don't have the bandwidth or the brain power to be a doctor or an engineer. So that didn't happen. <laughs> I, I think and my parents kind of realized that, oh, I don't think that's cut out for her. <laughs> that's um, not going to work. 
No, it's not that old. I was terrible at math. I was terrible at science. It was just, I mean, biology I loved because it was art, right? We kind of drew stuff. But I think the only thing I would say the resistance wasn't really art, art, because whilst we had two fabulous art schools in Bombay, I don't think I saw as much talk about art as as I do now, as I see now. I mean, there were those few prolific old masters that were really good. And we'd go to our, you know, art was one of our subjects and we took it seriously in school. I went to a private school. So we had a lot of fabulous artists that came, whether it's sculptors or, you know, clay, straw. We It was, it was fabulous. But I think the only balance that my parents allowed was I got into advertising. So it was kind of commercial or applied arts Mm -hmm. where I could make a living. It wasn't really fine arts. So I think that was, I wouldn't say a resistance, but it was a nice kind of a median, if you know what I mean. You know, it was a compromise. Yeah. I mean, and those days there weren't really Macs or computers. So everything, you know, copywriting to uh, quick sketches or to storyboarding everything was done by hand so in a way I was I was utilizing my skills I would say yeah but then you went through any course in art there I did it was a five-year applied arts course mm-hmm. and that kind of took you through the foundation after which you could gravitate towards uh, the applied arts which was a five-year degree course or you could get into uh, textiles or you could get into weaving or fashion designing of course mm-hmm. I did five-year art course Um, and that kind of gears you like I said towards an advertising career because by the end of the five years you have to take a pre-existing company and you have to create everything from a logo to an entire ad campaign so writing Mm -hmm. the copy the headlines how they would look on a billboard how they would look on a print ad so it was it was that but it was all by hand so Mm -hmm. so yeah that was the course when you started Juju know already what you liked what you attract to in art or no you haven't no No, idea I think I did I did I think I always loved art I remember swapping my lunch for certain crayons (laughs) with friends Um, that is interesting it was crazy like I would have the stattered old suitcase with little tracings and I Mm -hmm. remember like draping a cloth over my or a bed sheet over my dining table and be underneath just tracing and sketching and, and, sketching and drawing so it wasn't tea parties it was all of that so I think I and I think my parents kind of saw that right from the beginning so they, mm-hmm. they weren't really like no you can't do that mm-hmm. so yeah I would say that and of course India right so there's colors the festivals yes yes it's amazing so it was a lovely kind of a inspired life I, and I think now with Instagram, I've I've seen now more and more people from India on Instagram that have beautiful art, amazing watercolor artists. Every time I find one, when I see they're in India, that's the good side of the social media. People just like to talk about the bad side. But the good side is that we can see these fabulous people doing amazing work in other countries. And I think India is so rich in colors and texture. And when you talk about textile, the fabric there is just amazing. We talked about this before. And you told me that before you liked a lot to create portraits and more sketches, right? You were more attracted to, it was just people that you like to to do? Uh, Yes, people. Because I just loved trying to get their expressions. 
Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a challenge to myself where I would say, oh, there's so much going on on that face. I really need to capture it. Now, whether, whether I did it or not, I'm not sure, but I did enjoy the process. So I was always, I always had a camera and I would always kind of take permission and take photographs of these portraits. And then I would just, yeah. And what um, medium did you use at the time? Was that acrylics? Um, it was oils and gouache. Mm. Actually, I started acrylics when we moved to Dubai, where I was mm-hmm. there for about eight, nine years. And that's when I kind of really loved that medium because I took a class with another artist who's actually has also moved to Kelowna. She's in Canada. And uh, she's the one who opened up the world of acrylics for me. And I loved mm. it. And I still love it now. I know you don't like them too much, but I love them. <laughs> well, I've been learning to, to like them. You know that between oils and acrylics, I always go with oils. I think oil is so, people think it's so hard and it's, it, they put so many myths about oils and no. it's not true. I actually like them a lot because I don't have to keep, you know, water. Like I feel bad when I have, I even did, you know, a blog post about how to discard the water. I feel bad about this water that has plastic and chemicals and you put outside. In oils, you don't need any of that, right? So anyway, don't you think also for portraits, oils, they're so much better to do skin and all of that. Totally, because they're so forgiving. It gives me the time to yes. put in details. I'm not concerned. I did try a couple of portraits. Gouache is still okay. It's still a water-based. It's not as yeah. up, So it's fine. I can still kind of work around. But more or less, when I'm even doing my acrylic uh, collections, and if I feel there is a bit of realism that I want to add, mm-hmm. it will always be with oils. It will be the last part of that painting that I would finish. Like I said, it takes it takes the time to dry. It gives me the time to kind of move things around and, you know, correct mistakes. Mm-hmm. I love them. And I love that about oils as well. And people say, oh, this is a bad quality of oils that take forever to dry. But not really. If It depends on how you paint the oils. They can dry really fast. Sometimes I have oils that dry in one day. Oh, yeah. And the good thing is that in that time, you can look at your piece and, huh, I don't like that. And I can erase it. <laughs> which is fantastic <laughs> and I think in acrylics you have to think very fast and you don't have time and sometimes when you don't have time that helps you because it dries fast yeah. but when you talk about gouache gouache is something that you know I have I try when I go to my condo in Florida I I, I have a set of gouache there but man I have a hard time with gouache because it's not as fluid as watercolor but it doesn't feel like acrylics. It doesn't have the pull in the brush that I like. I think it's very gooey. I don't know how to explain. I know some people swear, and I know some artists on Instagram that do amazing work in gouache, but to me, it needs more. It dries in the brush fast, and you have to keep putting water, and I don't know. And when you put too much in the brush, then it doesn't flow in the paper it kind of drags on the paper and that to me it's maybe one day but it's not my I think for quick things when I'm traveling is okay but here and there play with it but it's not I use the white gouache a lot with watercolor and that's a good option for the whites but yeah it's not my favorite thing no so I, have, I don't believe I've used it since school I've maybe mm-hmm. potted it around when I used to teach some youth classes but I haven't really 
it's not a medium I connect with. It was just a very comfortable medium when we were in school. Many people, I don't know there, but here in the United States, you know, when you know artists that said they went to art school, they all say they didn't have a great experience because there's this conflict what art school teaches and what they wanted to do. And sometimes the teacher were really harsh and you feel constrained. This is what they say because I never went to art school. But did you have, I don't know if in India, maybe it's different. Did you feel that? Did you feel, or do you feel, yes, they are expanding me. I'm discovering more things and this is it for me. Or did you have a good ex experience there? You know, it's hard to say because now that you're asking me this question, I'm actually seeing it from a lens which is current. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to just disconnect the present to my art school experience, I would say it definitely opened up a lot of what I can do with creativity. Because like I said, it wasn't just, it wasn't a fine art school. It was, it was for applied arts. Mm -hmm. So all the courses were kind of geared towards a career in advertising. But if I had to look at it, as a fine art student where I am just creating a body of work, which was not what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, we didn't have, like I said, we had classes where we actually had to learn how to create each Times Roman lettering from A to Z. Like mm -hmm. we had to do like, you know, literally with ruler and pencil, write the wow. entire alphabet. Um, we experimented with, um, you know, collage and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it was all geared towards, okay, we are now going to write a headline for this. Mm -hmm. How do you see this? In the so what I'm trying to say is we were already kind of commercialized the process yeah. of yeah. art. So more the marketing side. Yeah. So today, if people check your Instagram, they're going to see that they're not going to see a lot of portraits. So you had a big change there. And when did you start to have that change? What made you not leave completely, but stop a little bit or doing that transition of a more, would you say, how do you call, do you call more abstract art? How do you call your art right now? It's more neo-impressionist kind of an mm -hmm. art form, I would say, because I still love figurative. I wouldn't call myself a complete abstract person right, right. I have to connect with form and mm -hmm. that was my basis I love form um, whether it's animals whether it's florals is not my thing because I don't think I render it just as beautifully you do I love your florals but I don't do that very well so that's what I would say that I think that's what it is I you would never see a complete abstract if you see an abstract yes, splash it's probably the beginning of something mm -hmm. that's gonna add more form to yes. it yes I agree that you always try, you have an abstract side to it, but if people really pay attention and what I think is great in your art is that invite us to pay attention in the art. Mm -hmm. And I think as artists, I think many people sometimes think, oh, I'm just doing a painting or maybe people see outside, oh, you're just buying a painting. And I think the difference for us than painting that you see a Hobby Lobby or Target, which are stores here that sell this kind of paintings, you know, reproduced paintings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you see great paintings there. Yeah. But I, sometimes when I look at them, I don't see a message. Mm -hmm. I think the difference of us is that when we put our heart, 
and we always do any piece of art with intention, right? Don't you agree? Yeah. And so when I see your art, I see that invitation to look deeper. Mm-hmm. And then you're always going to see that shape. Or there's a butterfly, which I love when you do butterflies, because I love butterflies. And did you start to have that intentionally or that, you know, that was a flow that happened? So in 2005, I decided to do my very first art show. Mm -hmm. And that was when the actual fear set in me, because Mm. I realized that if I had not a reference picture, like a photograph of something I've taken, Mm -hmm. I'm staring at this blank canvas and figuring out what am I going to do? And I almost felt like that's the end of my art career because Mm. I'm always going to need something to create. And I was working actually towards the exhibition with two other friends who are also kind of realistic artists. And we realized that we've got to move away because otherwise it's going to be a crutch. I'm going to have to need something to create. The only way for me to create the next best thing was just throw colors on the canvas Mm -hmm. and let see where it goes and then start working backwards. Like Mm. not have the subject in mind, but let the colors or the forms that form organically dictate what the subject would be. So it was on that time that you then start playing with the acrylics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I needed it to to really dry off quickly. Mm -hmm. And then so I could then work on it with oils or any other medium I wanted. Mm -hmm. But I needed to see something coming up for me. It took a bit of time. But then I realized that I started using pareidolia, which is basically a neuroscience phenomenon. And everyone's kind of heard of that. You know, when we lie on the grass and we look up at the clouds is the best example I can give. And you see familiar shapes and forms or you're walking and you see a smiling face on the grill of a car. Mm -hmm. So that pareidolia became the basis of my art pieces. Mm. I started creating with intention after that. Like if I would say, okay, I want to create a whole collection of horses. I kept pareidolia in my mind and I would just worry about what what my palette's going to be. I knew there were horses. So I would kind of move the colors sort of with intent to say, okay, this is how I think I'm going to start my work but I always start flat. So then that allowed me to walk around the canvas and say, yeah, then I'd start pulling out the shapes I would see. If I saw a familiar eye or something, I would start expanding from there, Mm -hmm. which is why I don't, like you said, I don't complete all my work completely. I know it's complete because I don't want to touch it anymore, but then the viewer sort of Mm -hmm. completes it for me and says, well, I didn't realize I see that. Did you see that? And I thought, no, I didn't see that, but that's what Mm -hmm. paranoia is. It's, it's your neuroscience and your brain that's kind right. of bringing yeah, up. And, and, and people say in abstract work, for example, flowers, sometimes you don't need to do the flowers in details. Sometimes just a color give an impression that has a flower. Your brain sees as a flower, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But just trying to break it down that a little bit. So, for example, horses. When you start, do you think... I want to start with intention to create a horse or do you first just do the background and see what animal or, you know, or shape comes? So if I'm doing a one-off where I'm just, and I do that often in between collections, I would just throw colors or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll add some graphite powder or I'll add some gold dust powder just to kind of clear. Mm-hmm. I just let it tell me what it's coming up. But if ah. I see I'm saying I'm doing a collection of say six nudes, 
nude figures because I have this theme in my head. If I feel like I, I want the canvas to be more blank on a certain area and more of the woman's figure or a male figure coming up on a certain mm -hmm. part of the canvas, I would kind of move the canvas around in a certain manner just to give it length or breadth to the colors. Mm -hmm. And if I feel it's looking too kind of a patchy or just mm -hmm. like one blob of color, then I keep adding my inks and spraying with the water and I play around with it. But I have that thought in my head of that figure in my mind. Right. So if I get some semblance of, yeah, I can see that happening, I leave it. Yeah, and it's good to also say that the acrylics that you work, their majority, they are fluid acrylics, right? Not necessarily because those are so expensive. And my canvases yeah. are like 48 by 48, 60 by 30. So they're giant. So what I sometimes do is I buy, especially it's for the underpainting. I normally mm -hmm. buy the more the store brands, like we have the Sayers or Michaels over here. So I buy the store brand. There are not really thick impasto kind of, Mm -hmm. um, consistency, but it's kind of semi. And then I just have my old containers and I just water them down, really whip them up well so that there are no, and then I use that. I would use fluids over yeah. it I, just yeah. to give a bit of depth, but not. Yeah, they are very expensive. What I use as well is fluid medium because yeah, nobody can have a ray so, acrylic yeah. paints and and have them in fluid and the normal because good acrylic paint, it is costly, but it pays off. In, in art, I think in art, there are some things you cannot be cheap. No. Do you work always in collections or, or you do standout work? Like you just start a canvas and, you know, standalone or do you always work in collections? Do you think it's better for you to work in collections? Uh, not necessarily, but I do find that, like I said, I do plan collections, but if I'm planning collections, it is towards a release of a new body of work where I always have a storytelling behind it. So I'd start thinking of what is it that I want to say? I know that a lot of artists tend to um, sketch, but I tend to write. Right. So I write oh. a lot of my thoughts down. Mostly the reason I do collections is I... It almost always comes about with current news, like whether mm. it's political. Now that's what's happening in Israel, Gaza, right? You know all of that stuff. It's something triggers, and I, as I think, as all of us creatives, right? So it's it's normally that. It's normally something I've read or something I'm concerned about. Or and do you think about a color palette already or no? No, I, I'm more that time. I'm more what what is my message going to be? What is the element I'm going to use? Am I going to be using something symbolic? So, for example, my very first collection was called Ghara, which means a clay pot in Indian language. Mm -hmm. In Hindi, it means a clay pot. And what I wanted to use is use the clay pot as the name to showcase the many identities of a woman. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a right. like. She loses her identity because she's carrying that burden of responsibility, you know, the water bearers or the carrying. Yes. So now I didn't use the clay pot in anything, but that was my basis for the collection. But what I do is if I do one-offs just to loosen my hand or just to kind of get the creative juices flowing, if I find, oh, this has turned out nice, maybe it needs a pair. So I normally don't have just the one. It would at least be a pair or it would be part of a collection. It's just my brain is, 
I think works better that way. Mm -hmm. I think in my brain, it's, I don't know, the future maybe changes, but right now the way my brain works, it, it's hard for me to do collections because I'm always changing things because I have very low attention. So I have to change things constantly mm -hmm. and having ideas constantly in my brain. It's hard for me to keep something concise, I think, like a collection. Maybe one day, I don't know, when I learn to calm down more. <laughs> yeah, but your sketchbooks are pretty good collections already. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah, I think I have a consistent palette that I like to work. You've been in so many interesting places, right? You're from India, then you lived in Dubai. Now you live in Canada, which is very different from oh, yeah. these other countries. So how do you think this affects your art? Actually, I think it's it's grown the art, I would say. Mm. Because all three, and to be honest, in India, I wasn't really a fine artist. I was still, right. like I said, I was in advertising. So I didn't right. really look at art with that eye. I only became that when we were in Dubai. And mm -hmm. that, my journey literally, I mean, I potted around and I sketched and I did my little stuff right mm -hmm. through. But I wasn't really a practicing artist artist. It mm -hmm. only started in 2001. So it's just been a very short period, two decades, I would say, that's it. I was, it wasn't before that. So Dubai and Canada, it just enhanced my practice far more because mm -hmm. you see the range of people and yes. the range of practices and how people look at their art, the different mediums, whether it's sculpture, whether it's installations, it's quite brilliant. So mm -hmm. it's only helped me get more inspired. And that's why I think you must notice it. It's constantly evolving. If I mm -hmm. feel like I love it, I feel, okay, I can do this in my sleep now. I, I need to add something else. Mm -hmm. so I'm always constantly trying to see if I can mix mediums. If I like a certain, again, let me go back to a horse. How many times have I created a horse? But so many different ways. And every right. time I look at it, I see a bit of me, but I see the evolution too. Yeah, I think it's, there are some artists that like to have a very consistent body of work and, you know, but I, I think maybe something of us that lived in many places that it's, we, I don't know, I think my, as I said, I'm very, I get very stressed out if I work on the same thing for a long time. I get tired mm -hmm. and I never finish anything in the same time. I have to let it wait. So even acrylic work, I do a little bit and I let it wait. I just keep looking at it and I don't touch it. Mm -hmm. I know it needs to finish, but I just need that break. And, and I think that's why mixed media art is fascinating because we can play. I feel sometimes we are like chemistries. We, we can play with all these medias and interact with them together and see how they work. It's like being curious about it. Oh, if I drop this alcohol ink here, what's going to happen? You know, if I drop this thing on the watercolor, what's going to happen? Yeah. If I, you know, I think oils, they are more kind of selfish. <laughs> but in terms of mixed media artists, you know, the possibilities are amazing. Oh, yeah. Do you have a ritual when you create? Do you have something that you do to kind of get in the mood to go to your, you know, studio and to make your mind go in the zen of things i think we both agree that when we start painting it's already very relaxing mm -hmm. and that's the whole 
point of the podcast is to let people know in other people's experience how art can really in that moment relax your body and your mind and to me is a, is a kind of meditation yeah do you have anything else that you do because for example for me I always have essential oils and I just recently got a box that came with some incense and I never used incense before and it came this little uh, bamboo kind of thing that you put the incense there and I thought it was so cute and when I put the incense and I felt like oh I am in the zone mm-hmm. the incense gave me a deeper sense than the essential oils I'm not sure why not sure if the incense is a little stronger the essential oil sometimes it takes a while to yeah. you know kick it up in the room something that I want to change more to give my experience a more relaxing experience in terms of also do mindfulness is sometimes I create and I'm listening podcasts or, you know, watching the news or something on YouTube. And I want to transition that to more relaxing music. I cannot put regular music because it distracts me. But that is something that I'm starting to kind of create a ritual of like, I feel like when I put the incense, I have a ritual now. (laughs) which I didn't feel when I used essential oils. And then there's the yesterday I was here and I was putting, I have the Calm app and they have amazing music. And I discovered this music and I was, I was like, oh, I felt like I was a walking clouds. Because yeah. like the best thing, color, smell, and mm-hmm. music, relaxing yeah. music. Do you, I know you post on Instagram about your tea, right? And so do you have anything like that when you say, I'm going to paint today? I, so as you know, my studio is my garage. Mm-hmm. And it is not, it's a detached garage. So mm-hmm. I have to actually get out of my back door, walk across my deck, go off my parking pad and then get to my, so for me, it's like already I'm, I'm literally making the effort to get into my space. Mm-hmm. And I have set it up with a, very nice, comfortable single couch. There nice. is a stove. I have lots of little, little lamps everywhere. And I have a lot of little, little candles everywhere. Oh yeah, candles. I also have candles. I forgot about that. I love that. And I have a range of music from cassettes. Mm, from cassettes. <laughs> I do have cassettes. I have an old cassette. Wow. Which is a, it has a CD player, a cassette player, and then it has an iPod. So... I still have some old cassettes and I have this Palo Santo wood, which is kind of like your incense sticks, like you're mm-hmm. saying. For me, and I think, again, I'm going back to being a Parsi. Mm-hmm. Uh, our fire temples, we worship the fire and we mm. actually given sticks of sandalwood and the priest would go and put it in the fire. And that fire mm. has to burn 24 hours a day. Like it's wow. just, it never goes off. And to start a fire temple, you have to take embers from seven different fire temples mm-hmm to start that one fire in the fire temple. Wow. And the wood has an awesome smell. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. So I have grown up with that. I mean, mm. for me, this this sense of... It brings smell. memories, right? Yeah. And our fire temples always were in, in, um, in the middle of beautifully manicured gardens. Mm. So everything was already heightened. Every sense is kind of 
already there when you're entering to do for a prayer. So I think that has always stuck with me. I love the smell of my paint and turpentine and everything. I'm not, I mean, I go for now solvents that, that are odorless, but, um, but I've always liked that. So for me, the ritual is I just make my cup of tea and I walk in, although I have a tea maker, I have my wine and everything in the studio. Mm. That's what I would You do. have wine. I have to have, that's a good idea. <laughs> Yes, there are times, like I said, I've gone in my PJs in the evenings yeah. and I felt, oh, I can't But that's see. the good thing about having a garage, as I said, because you have a lot of space, right? Absolutely. I yeah. mean, in, in the wind, in the summers, I can open up both the doors and just- Oh, yeah. We live where I just have a laneway at the back, so I'm not backing another home. So mm. there's that, that, you know, it's just my space and I can step into my backyard, pull out my easel. So do you, do you feel like disconnected and in that, in that moment, right? So I switch on the music first when I go and I light a couple of candles. I have my incense sticks burning Mm -hmm. and I would just sit and have my tea aimlessly. I don't just jump at the canvas right away. And it's it's taking the moment, right? Taking the moment, prepare. Yeah. 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 And I'm not necessarily, I always start three, four paintings at the same time, because like I said, my process is such that I throw my inks, even if it's one off, even if it's not a collection, I will have a few backgrounds. So for me, whatever is, unless I'm working on a commission on a deadline, uh-huh. yes, I just yes. can go and start on anything I like. And again, like the senses is pareidolia. So whatever is coming up. So everything is kind of organic at this stage in my mm-hmm. practice. And you do the whole thing that we talked about. But do you have sketches or you just, do you do something that you don't particularly sell? Like that you just want to play and just go over a medium or you just really work on canvas that are for your work? No, I do have a lot of small canvas pads and canvas, small canvases that I've gone over and over and I'll just experiment with that. Even Ah, if it's That's a good idea. Yeah. Or, or yeah. trying to see different, like I would use butter knives or I would use saran wrap to just kind of play around to see, okay, what's this texture coming up? Right. Um, I don't necessarily go j- directly on a canvas, but there are times when I look at some of the old works which still look lovely, but I've not connected with anymore. And I'm going to post something soon where it's this portrait I've done and it's a huge piece. It's about 47 by 38. Oh, wow. And I'm going to go over her. It's an oil painting, realistic. I've, she's been sitting with me for, I think, at least seven years. And wow. I know the effort I put into this portrait. And I'm just going to go over it. Like, not completely, but I'm going to start adding my style to it. So, mm-hmm. But it's all oil. So I'll have to water down my oils this time yeah. with uh, turpentine or something and start flowing it and work around that. But yeah. that would be an experiment. That's the thing also about canvases. I think when people buy stretched canvases, they feel intimidated because they're like, oh, it's on a certain, I have to do a good thing here. If not, it's doomed. Mm-hmm. No, you can pen over it. And also you can actually remove the canvas from the, the wood frame and just use that piece of cloth and paint over or use to something else, to a book, the cover, to a pouch, whatever you want to do. I know that in the future, I bought a bunch of canvas on a, on a sale, so I have to finish the ones that I have. But I'm thinking seriously to change and not do work in stretch canvas anymore, because then I could do bigger works and just put on the wall, yeah. you know, and I think because of space, I don't, I'm not fortunate to have a garage just for me, but I am fortunate that I have a space just for me. 
but I sometimes, and don't you feel that more you do work, more you want to do bigger, which is a problem. I think it would be easier just for me to create, but also to storage, to send to people. It would make a huge uh, difference. So as we go to the end here, what do you say is the benefits of art mentally for you? I think it's a really good outlet because not only are you physically creating it, but your mental, yes, the mental state just brings in so much color, so much form. And that I think that rather than words, because we tend to say the wrong things if we are angry and, mm -hmm. you know, spit things out and then you go, oh my goodness, I can't take this back. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel that if I am frustrated or really happy or whatever, whatever the emotions may be, it's so much nicer to just plaster that on our canvas and something does come off it that is going to be helpful, good or bad. Yes. I've always felt that I'd make a stroke and like, that just doesn't work. But the way it was done, I'm like, oh, why didn't I use this technique somewhere else? I always find that that outlet has given so much more stability to my way of thinking, if yeah. that makes sense. I'm not just spewing things out, even happy. We do stupid things when we are completely happy or completely sad. I mean, I think they always say balance. Mm -hmm. I think art always creates that balance. Yeah. I think that's the word I would use. It just, it just calms your head down. It stops that momentum and you feel, okay, I need, yeah, this wasn't the right way of addressing this issue. It just, that's how it helps me. Yeah, amazing in this perspective and thinking about it. I think when we're creating, we have to do things, something that sometimes we don't do, which is stop and look mm -hmm. and pay attention and feel. And sometimes in life when we are upset or as you said, even excited, we sometimes do things without thinking. Yeah. And I believe with my whole heart that the art brings that to your life. When you start practicing that in art, that brings it to your life. Yeah. And a final tip as well, what would you say if people say, well, I want to start painting. I'm, maybe I don't want to be an artist. I don't want to sell. But what would you think how they could get it started? I think just play with color. Look at things that you really love. And you don't have to go to fancy artists. I mean, there's Pinterest, there is... I would even say open up a magazine because when yes. I started thinking of creativity and I was starting to think abstract, I just reached for magazines, which were food magazines, food and drink magazines. We get it at our local um, wine shop. Mm -hmm. And I find that food photography is some perhaps yes. one of the best. The contrast of colors, uh, the balance. Especially wine magazines. Absolutely. Why? Exactly. So that the wine magazine that we get from our LCBO, local LCBO, uh, which is called the food and drink magazine, I would just go and I would look at that color palette, whether it's aubergines and white, and I would just say, okay, I'm just going to play with color. And I would, so the way I would do it is just look at, okay, there is 30% aubergine, there's 50% white, there's 20%. So just pick the same palette and where you put it doesn't matter. I think when you just look at the forms and you go with it, at least that brings you right into the color and yes. expressing that. And, and also, as you said, and also don't think that you have to do things so realistic. I think that's a problem of people. They get upset that they are like so realistic. I for sure 
do make mixed media dolls, I call them dolls, they are for sure not realistic at all. They are more on the side of art journaling kind of girls, but they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They are unrealistic. They are mystical. They are what I call whimsical mm-hmm. girls. And they're supposed to be that. They're not supposed to have realistic touches because as you said to me once, and I never forgot that, I didn't want to, I was doing things too realistic that looked like a photograph. And why yeah. would need to paint a photograph if we have the photograph? Exactly. You're, you're competing and with And today you have apps that you can do effects of watercolor level on a photograph. So, and print that on a canva and look like a painting. Yeah. And I think we sometimes get too attached to that detail and that hyper-realism. And I don't think you, you need to do that. So I think it's great that you said that, that, you know, just look at the shape of that thing on a, on a form and start seeing shapes and marks and things like that. And for sure, don't start with expensive things. Oh, God, no. no. I still gonna... have here my cheap craft paints that I yeah. use on my sketchbooks because you're going to feel frustrated. And I think you feel intimidated if you're using a $13 tube from Golden. <laughs> you're going to feel intimidated. You're going to put just a little tiny bit of paint because you don't want to, yeah. you know, you don't want to use that paint. Yeah, I feel sometimes I have to, to restrain myself with the oils because I have some oils that are, you know, very good and handmade and they were very expensive. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to use a lot, but then it's like, no, it's just, it's just an oil I can buy again. So I think it's very important for us just to get out there. I think so. And I think, I think they have to just, whoever wants to start needs to just understand how do I want to express myself? You could just pick up a whole set of HP pencils and keep going. Yes. There have been people who have done phenomenal work with just a ballpoint pen, which I look at it and I'm like, no way I can even start this. So just pick up the material is not important. How do you want to express yourself? How do you connect? Do you want to do a journaling with little sketches and doodles? The doodles are out of this world. If I just... Google doodling. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like a piece of art. So I would just say, go for it. Just see how you want to express yourself. Don't worry about what the other person's using a medium. It's really not important. What do you connect with? And that's art. I think that's art because art is really, it's just, it's so subjective, right? Yes. Yes, and you've connected with those dolls, like you said. I mean, and that is obviously reflected, which is why people are connecting to it. So if mm-hmm. you're going to be so forced in your application of your creative outlet, it's going to showcase that to the buyer or to whoever it is that looks at your work or forget the buyer, even somebody who's going to Gift, appreciate yeah. it, they would say, oh, is that you? Because it's not you, mm-hmm. you know? So I think being authentic and really connecting with how you want to express yourself, I think that's really important. Yeah, and don't yeah. don't be scared of evolving. If you feel, oh, I've spent so much time studying mm. oils now, do I move? Yeah, move. Life's too short. Keep going. Exactly. Exactly. You know? I think I think something that this pandemic that is something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We we went through something that maybe our grandfathers went through, or 
And it's something that we all, we, I think we solved this pandemic, how we all are connected because we're all going through it. Mm-hmm. We all going through it. We all having to wear masks when you see news about other countries. We all having to be in lockdowns. Yeah. We all, you know, unfortunately having friends and people that die. And it makes you see that just try it. Let's just try it. And now I have a different sense of things. Like I don't, of course, we're not going to be in that, but it's like, if I don't try, I try. Yeah. And at least I try and I can say that I tried and life, as you said, it's too short for us to be not trying something and uh, not be judgmental. I agree. Serene, I feel I could talk to you many hours. I think we, you have to come back again. There is many things that we didn't touch on because you're, you have a long history of many interesting places that you went through. We didn't even touch up on Dubai a lot, which is fascinating for me. So you definitely have to come back again. I would love to. I'm going to put all your links on the show notes. But where is where people can connect better with you? Is that Instagram or your blog? I think Instagram is the best because if you go into the link tree, you will see everything over there. So you can visit the website where Mm -hmm. all the work and more details on everything is. And of course, you can subscribe to the newsletter right from the link tree. Yes. On Instagram. That would be the best place to Mm -hmm. kind of see everything about me. Yes. And you are doing some great uh, blog posts as well uh, to help people that want to become an artist. And uh, also, like, you can also catch up on Mazarin's Instagram you know, even like you preparing a new collection in Central France, right? And you can see all the packaging and all that kind of process. It's a very fascinating process. And I'm it's sure you're going to... Yeah, it's all going. And I'm sure later they're going to send to you some pictures, right? And you're going to share with us. I will. And um, that, that is interesting. And if you, if you want to have a background of a fine artist, I think Mazarin's account is the right one for you. Mazarin, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending the time with me and talking in the podcast. I always have fun when I talk with you. Me too. Thank you, Jenna, for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I see you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check episode notes at the number two worldart.com slash blog. Connect with Jana on Instagram at Jana underscore two worlds. And make sure to receive our artful insights by signing up at bit.ly slash join two worlds art.